Our Father, we thank you that death does not have to hold us down. We thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to be our Redeemer. That while we were dead in our sins, you sent him. We did not deserve it, but that is an indicator of your love that while we were dead in our sins, Christ came to redeem us, to pay the death penalty that we deserve so that we could be free, so that we could have life, have it abundantly. And Lord, we thank you for this grace that you've shown us. It is grace. It's, it's a gift that we never deserved, that we cannot earn, but you give it to us because of your great love. And Lord, now as we open the scripture, I pray that you will open our hearts in fresh ways to how you are calling us to live our lives as your children. What a privilege it is to be called sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. Lord, let us not take that privilege for granted. But I pray that then we will follow what you are calling us to do. Follow in a way that, that reflects well upon you, brings you glory in the world around us, helps us to live with joy and live the life that you've called us to live. So we lift up this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last few weeks here at Freedens, we have been looking at the transformation that should take place in a person's life after they come to faith in Christ. And we've been specifically looking in Ephesians chapter 4 about how the Apostle Paul used this analogy about when a person comes to faith in Christ, they should put off their old way of life. He's using the analogy of clothing, of getting dressed in new clothes. That so you put off the old clothes, which he says are being, are being um, just, just, they're not doing well because your deceitful desire is being corrupted, and to put on your new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So put off the old, put on the new. It's the analogy of clothing. And I have up here this morning two different types of clothing, very distinctive types of clothing. Now this dress, obviously, is a wedding dress. And you would typically see a bride wearing a dress like that as she is coming down the aisle on her wedding day. Now, how come you never see a bride coming down the aisle wearing something that looks like this? Yeah, that would look really strange, wouldn't it? I think we're at the end of this PowerPoint. We probably need to rewind to the, to the beginning. What's that? Well, okay. There we go. Why don't you ever see a bride wearing a dress that looks like that? Yeah, it doesn't really look that great, does it? You, you don't see a bride coming down the aisle wearing a dress covered in mud because, you know, the mud really taints or tarnishes the beauty that should typically be part of a wedding day. And I guarantee you that if a bride came down the aisle wearing a dress covered in mud like that, that what people would be talking about after the wedding would not be how beautiful the bride was. They would be talking about the mud that's on her dress. That's what they would remember years later when they recall that wedding. You see a bride coming down the aisle in a dress that is clean. And radiant. Now let's look at this other set of clothing over here. These are cycling clothes. Uh, they're, right now the Tour de France is going on over in France. And these are the types of clothes that a cyclist would typically wear in the Tour de France. Now why in the Tour de France do you not see someone wearing something that looks like this? <laughs> I mean, it looks funny, doesn't it? We laugh. I mean, a panda bear riding a bike. But you don't see a cyclist in the Tour de France wearing something like that because, one, it adds weight. 
It's going to slow them down. It's not aerodynamic. Plus, they would just overheat in that costume. In the Tour de France, or in the Tour de France, they have a certain way that they dress. They have a certain way they conduct themselves. Similarly, in a wedding, brides have typical ways they conduct themselves. In the same way, in our Christian life, God calls us to conduct ourselves in certain ways. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians started as a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in a city called Ephesus. And the book of Ephesians for us serves as a tremendous orientation manual to the Christian life. It's an orientation manual. And one of the things that Ephesians does really well is to highlight the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus accomplished for us through his life, death, and resurrection. That through Jesus, we can be fully redeemed and reconciled with God. But, but the book of Ephesians is not merely theoretical and theological. It's also very practical. It shows us very clearly that gospel truths should lead to gospel living. Today our passage is Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 14. There's a lot in this passage. But the main point is found in verse 8. That says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. At one time you were darkness, now you are light. Now throughout the Bible, this idea of light and darkness is a very prominent theme. For instance, we see in the Bible that light represents goodness and holiness, whereas darkness represents evil and sin. Light represents God, but darkness represents the world. Light represents Christians, but darkness represents unbelievers. Light represents open honesty, but darkness represents shameful secrecy. Let me give you a few examples from Scripture. For instance, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of darkness, a light has dawned. This was written about 700 B.C., but it was written about the coming of Jesus. To people living in darkness, a light is coming. And then when Jesus did come, we see in John chapter 1, that in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then Jesus in John 8, 12 said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. So we're seeing this theme of light and darkness. 1 Timothy 6 says that God lives in unapproachable light. Fast forward to Revelation in heaven, there will be no more darkness, at least metaphorically speaking, in terms of sin, evil, stuff like that. Because it says that in heaven, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. Now back here on earth, humanity, this world, is still characterized in many ways by darkness. We see in John chapter 3, right after the famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we see John 3, 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Ephesians 4, 18 points to what's going on inside of people before they come to faith in Christ. It says they were darkened in their understanding, 
and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So we can have darkness inside of us when we aren't walking with God. But there is still hope. First John chapter 5 says, This is the message we have heard from Jesus and declare to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So even though in our natural state we are characterized by darkness, living in a world that is characterized by darkness, this darkness does not need to define us forever. God offers a way through Jesus for us to be transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. And that is when we come to faith in Christ, trusting in Christ alone to forgive us of our sins, to reconcile us with God, then we are forgiven, we are purified. We become holy in God's sight. So we come back here to Ephesians 5.8. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now...